Hey there. Because you're listening to this podcast, we at Blue Wire want you to know this. One, we freaking love you. And two, we want to learn more about you. Help us make more content you'll love by filling out a survey you can find in the description of this podcast. You'll help us out a ton, and you'll have a chance to win a Blue Wire t-shirt, hoodie, or a pair of AirPods. We appreciate you, hope you're staying safe, and want you to enjoy this podcast. Welcome, everybody, to Friday's edition of the Orange and Brown Report. We have a great show in store for you guys with, a, I think, a pretty pertinent topic, and uh, I hope you do enjoy it. Before we do so, once again, thank you to our presenting sponsor of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, which is betonline.ag and their fantastic welcome bonus using the promo code BLUEWIRE. It's all one word, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Get that welcome bonus as sports are starting to trickle back in late June, early July. Take advantage of some great betting opportunities and their 24-7 online poker and blackjack opportunities as well. Again, that's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. Get there, use their product. It's fantastic. Big shout out to them. So we're going to talk our Friday film room. We're going to welcome in John Stephenson, who's doing great stuff. If you didn't get a chance to go back and read his... Uh, stopping and defending the Lamar Jackson run game, do so. It's a three-part deal. Great stuff from him. We, we did podcasts on each one, and we're moving into uh, Joe Woods. We're still, you know, every year it feels like John and I are doing this. We're looking at new play callers on both sides of the football and what they're going to do, and and we're trying to predict. It'd be nice, and I, I've talked to other folks about this recently. It'd be nice to just be able to look at how the defenses or offenses change minimally from year to year, right, John? Um, God, it wouldn't it? Instead of trying to predict, that's so friggin' challenging. So hopefully um, the big thing we can see is some coaches and play callers that stay in the same place uh, within this franchise for a while, and hopefully some winning is a byproduct of all of that. And, you know, if play callers move on, if Joe Woods gets a job someday as a head coach, then maybe it's secondary or linebackers or D-line coach steps in and keeps the scheme running and – Humming along. Those are the good days. We long for those. Instead, we have to predict, based on little quotes they give us, what they might do for the upcoming season. Especially difficult uh, for Joe Woods. A little easier for Stefanski because we know he called the plays in Minnesota. We can look at some of his habits and some of his outcomes last year. But as a co-defensive coordinator that Joe Woods was in San Francisco, and um, some of his time taking over in Denver is, is, is dated a little bit. Um, it's a challenge for John. So he's doing a great job of going back and looking at all of the different times he's had opportunities to be heavily involved in play calling and is, uh, is tracking some of the ways in which they were successful. As recently, Joe Woods has said he wants to take and make a sort of potpourri defense of all of the best things being run across the NFL, which is a great thing. You want to hear that. I think every coach is probably trying to do that in some form or fashion, but hopefully Joe can accomplish that here with a wide variety of personnel who can do a bunch of different things. And John did a nice job trying to track this thing here. So real quick, before we do this week, we didn't get a chance to catch up last week. Time got away from us. We missed each other. What did you do last week's uh, edition of this on, John? So if people want to go back and read it, um, and just uh, and then we'll, before we get to today, but yeah, touch on last week's article about this uh, first, first leg of this topic. Yeah, so uh, last week we looked at uh, Joe Wood's time in uh, Denver. He was with Wade Phillips for, I believe, uh, two seasons, including that uh, 2015 uh, Super Bowl winning team. So um, we looked at um, essentially uh, man coverage. So uh, during that season, Wade Wilson played um, roughly um, roughly half his snaps in some sort of man coverage. So basic cover one man where you have 
a single middle of the field, uh, post safety, uh, two man, so two deep safeties, man underneath, uh, blitz coverage or cover zero, send in six, and, um, you know, just other little variants and forms. So, um, and we also, uh, we looked a bit at a, um, interview we gave where he talked about, um, his preference essentially for playing man coverage, although he's led the league in man snaps. He's also led the league in zone snaps, but all, all else being equal, if he has the dogs up front, he wants to play man coverage behind. So we looked at, um, specifically blitz man coverage or looking at coverage behind sending five pass rushers. So have your single, uh, deep safety again, uh, man across the board, generally your four defensive linemen and at least one of the linebackers are rushing. So you don't have that, uh, you know, that underneath the zone defender you get in the cover one robber we see with the four man rush. So, um, you know, long story being short, um, he played roughly 25 percent of his snaps that season in uh, in this man coverage. And so we just looked at some you know, some basics, um, went back to his playbook from, I believe, the 2003 Atlanta Falcons uh, when he was D.C. And just looked at uh, you know, his basic, his cover one blitz, his um you know, a little bit of two man. I uh, talked about a concept called a green dog, where um, essentially, if you got man coverage, um, originally it's a four man. You'll have a four man rush, or sometimes a blitz on. And what'll happen is the uh, the linebacker that um, has tailback or the running back, he will um, essentially read the tailback. If the tailback stays in the block, he's going to add himself to the rush, so he's going to become a fifth or a sixth rusher. Um, if the running back runs out, then the uh, you know linebacker just plays like, standard coverage, chases after him. So uh, we looked at some clips and, uh, you know, just kind of got down some of the basic, you know, terminology, nomenclature, and went from there. Okay, so quite a bit going on there and, and, yeah. great, and great stuff. I mean, especially tracking back, um, you know, with, with his man concepts because I, I just don't see how you can look at Greedy, especially Greedy, who I just think is a very, is a very man-to-man oriented corner, disappointing in zone coverage. Just doesn't have the feel for jumping routes like he does in man when he can walk down and sort of mirror people. Uh, mm. A little, a little concerned about greedy personally. So, um, I but I do think he's a better man-to-man player. I think he's better when he's aggressive. He's better when he's trying to attack people or at least disturb people. And then obviously Denzel is is more well-rounded and can can do both. But is is by nature, as we all know as Ohio State fans, he's a, he's a man-to-man corner himself. So I think and hope they see a good amount of man-to-man and opportunities for those guys to do what's best for them in terms of their skill set. And uh, go back and read that. If you haven't, you can learn a lot about, uh, you know, like like John said, some of the, the variances they try to do, different techniques they use, and uh, some different position and, and responsibilities that come with playing those different types of coverage. And then we're going to look this week, right, John, at the front four and how they're getting pressure. And I know you have some good stats on this, how San Francisco – uh, especially was able to generate pressure without blitzing because I think that is what the Browns are going to hope for. They have these linebackers who uh, need to have as, as little stress as possible on them and run past conflict and burdens and covering. I don't think anyone in this linebacker group is a great cover guy, and I don't want them trying to cover too much space or relying on their instincts too much cover ground trying to replace where rushers are coming from dropping into coverage if that makes sense if you bring a safety maybe after run and and cover curl flat whatever the 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 necessity is i would hope that they're able to to alleviate this burden with these front four and i think that that would obviously be the browns hope and uh so yeah you you got this one coming out tomorrow talk to talk to everybody what the sort of premise is and uh, what you're looking at specifically for how they were able to create some of those pressures yeah, so looking back on San Francisco's 2019 season, we know Joe Woods was the uh, passing game coordinator under uh, Robert Sala. Um, Robert Sala is a um, Carroll cover three guy. 
So, um, you know, one thing to notice about this is that teams that, uh, if, if you want to run this Pete Carroll cover three stuff effectively, um, frankly, you have to, like, you want to, if you want to be a zone heavy team, you have to, you have to be able to get rushed with four men. You have to be able to get consistent pressure with your four men. Um, because otherwise, you know, you, you've got a pressure in this, you know, dropping back playing zone covers just doesn't work. If, um, you know, even this, these matchup type zones, um, it, it just doesn't work if you, uh, you can't get pressure there. Um, there's just too many holes. So, um, you know, looking back on uh, San Francisco's season, um, looking at the numbers, they found that they uh, they generated some sort of pressure on, I believe it was just under 29% of their total snaps. So we're talking a QB hurry, a knockdown, a sack of some sport. Uh, second highest in the league. And they did this while blitzing uh, just over 20% of total snaps. So, that's, so we got fourth lowest in the league there. So second highest pressure rate, but fourth lowest blitz rate. So... You know, it tells us right there that uh, their, their front four, um, you know, they, they can organically create or generate pressure. Um, and, and looking at them, it's it's easy to see why. You've got Nick Bosa, you've got DeForest Buckner, although I believe he's with, is it Indianapolis now? Yeah, yeah, he was a part right. of the big trade to Indy. Yeah, so he's he's in Indy, but uh, so DeForest Buckner, uh, D. Ford, uh, Eric Armstead, although I believe he was hurt for a good part of last season, but that's that's four pretty good dudes just right there. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you think about Nick Nick Bosa just being a rookie, um, it's sky's the limit right there. But um, so looking at um, I guess the ways in which they they generate the pressure. Um, we want to think about um, sort of rushing the passer just like we looked at defending Lamar Jackson. Like you want to have a plan for it um, when you're sending these four guys out. Uh, when you're letting the dogs hunt as their defensive line like to say. You, um, they, they're not just randomly running here. They're trying to get to the quarterback. There's always a method behind what you do, um, and, and there's um, just little coaching points and so on that go into it. So um, in the article, we're going to look at um, essentially divide them into three different um, categories. We're going to look at simple Jimmy and Joe's. So my guy's better than your guy. Um, obviously, that's going to play out well with Miles Garrett. Uh, we're going to look at gap games or little pass rush games. So we're talking little stunts, loops, twists. And then we're going to look at um, ways in which we can influence the protection in order to create one on one on one matchups or, or personnel mismatches. Well, the, the last one there is particularly interesting to me, John, because you know whether that's sugar blitzing or whatever, walking people down, manipulating sides. Teams are always typically, if you pay attention, some quarterbacks do it. Some centers are responsibility for checks at the mm-hmm. line of scrimmage and which way they're sliding protection. But uh, the best in the business are able to manipulate protection and uh, take away extra blockers, whether that's a tight end chipping, whether that is a, uh, you know, a running back in the backfield, is, is getting Miles Garrett as often as they can single teamed. They don't want him having to deal with an extra guy. And if, as many times as you can get him, if he has 60 snaps and, and, and 35 of them are pass rush snaps, you want at least like 27 of those snaps to be one-on-one because he's going to win almost all the time and, uh, and and if that's something a quarterback has to deal with then that's a problem and then you can also you know if you want to and you can you can find situations where you suck in double teams on his side and you you overload the other side right or you get a little twist exchange or whatever maybe you can play Claiborne and and uh, move miles around whatever but I think that's an important thing that I, I'm most interested in reading because I haven't read this one yet um, from from yourself is that is that how are they going to manipulate protection to to get themselves in opportunities and, and it could be twist stunning miles where you put them inside on a guard or you know you and I have talked about this back when we broke down Adrian Claiborne um, or whenever your article that broke him down was 
can they can they get those two guys on the same side, right? Can you align Miles inside over the guard and let Claiborne thrive on the outside? Because we know he's a he's a same side rusher as Miles, but you can move Miles around and do different things with him. I'll be interested to see if they do a little bit of stuff that Houston did with Jadevian Clowney, kind of in a two point stance, walking around A gap to B gap on on one side and kind of just you know let him let him hunt, let him do what he yeah, does, and, yeah, find a way in. So. Uh, this is good stuff, man. I'm, I'm quite fascinated in it, and uh, I'll just leave you with this question: Do you think that they will be able to, um, if even if they don't sign, we'll, we'll put it in the situation where they don't sign anybody new, they don't bring in Jadevin Clowney or they don't bring in Everson Griffin, both of which sitting in the free agent market as we speak. If they keep the status quo, do you think they're going to do well enough generating pressure with the the three edge guys? I think who are going to be predominantly playing, and then and then the two interior plus Billings. And uh, maybe Jordan Elliott too. Do you think they're going to be able to generate? I mean, it's it's a step down from San Francisco, but are they going to be good enough in your opinion? Yeah, it's definitely going to be a step down. Um, you know, pound for pound, San Francisco had a better line last year. Now we have um, you know had the best player, Miles Garrett, but um, you know the drop off from two to three, and particularly um, the Browns just don't have that uh, a guy like the Forrest Buckner that can get that that constant interior pressure. But um, yeah, I think they can be good enough. Um, obviously, they're they're going to be those caveats. You know, Olivia Vernon needs to stay healthy. Um, Claiborne needs to stay healthy. Um, Miles needs to play a full season, and so on. But mm-hmm. yeah, they, I think they can be good enough. I think they can. All right, you heard it here from the source. They're good enough. They can get it done. Hopefully, mm-hmm. it can it can pan out, and uh, you know they can they can ease the burden on these linebackers because Lord knows they're they're going to need it. They can hopefully. Uh-huh overachieved but i think they're going to need it so john appreciate your time as always and please make sure guys you're taking the time to read this film room and this stuff on joe woods because i think it's really interesting stuff and it can give you a good idea of what is to come so thanks again john sure man thank you all right appreciate you guys joining us this week hopefully you uh you got a chance to listen to all of them we had sobo on yesterday talking contracts and salary cap and all that fun stuff i talked about jamal adams earlier in the week and then we had some zone conversation and what stefanski will be doing potentially away from Mike Zimmer because that's one of the more interesting subplots of of, uh, of looking at Stefanski's translation to calling plays is what's it going to be like when he doesn't have a run-heavy defensive coach telling him what to do on the headset. I find that fascinating. So uh, we wrote on all that. We wrote on uh, – we, we podcasted on that. We also wrote on uh, Stefanski's play calling, and ESPN's Mike Clay put out an article breaking some of that down, so I provided some data for that. A little bit of video work also up on the site to make sure you check that out. We talked about the Browns wide receivers running a different route tree with a different philosophy this year that will preach efficiency over um, you know, opportunities, I guess is the right way to say it, right? So I think they're going for efficiency. They're going to eliminate some of the quantity. Hopefully that translates to more production from the guys that matter. That's up there, too, among many other things. I think we had eight things go up on the website today, so check out theobr.com. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe to this podcast. Make sure you also go to Instagram. We have an Instagram now. We're hip. We're millennials. We're doing it. we got three posts up in one day. I don't know what to do. It's pretty great. You should follow it. Make sure you do. We'll catch you next week. Have a great weekend. Go Browns.